0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Peter Defend Sunday? Wasn't that wonderful? Glory to God. So good. So, so good. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Angela was going to uh, minister tonight, and I came in tonight at around seven o'clock, and I said, "You know, I'm going to I'm going to take the first part of this tonight." And uh, she's trying to talk me into doing the whole forty-five minutes or the whole hour, and uh, so I'm, I'm I haven't committed to that. I'm just have something that's been on my heart the last two or three days, and so I want to share it with you tonight. We'll just see what goes on. I don't have any notes, anything like that. I'm just going to just uh, minister from what's on my heart. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. What? She says she's off the hook completely then. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. I want to talk to you about the gift of prophecy. And I want you to turn with me over to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Actually, we're going to read in the 14th chapter first, and then we'll come back to the 13th chapter. Chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. I'm going to start in verse number one. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification. And exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Notice that. In these vocal gifts, the edification of the church is the central thing. And uh, when I speak of, of uh, uh, utterance gifts, vocal gifts, we know that there are nine gifts of the Spirit listed in the 12th chapter of First Corinthians, verse number 7. It says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then he lists nine manifestations of the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit. He said, For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. <coughs> We've observed many times that uh, men have taken these nine gifts of the Spirit and for the sake of teaching and for the sake of, of explanation, uh, have broken them down or, 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 or grouped them together would be a better way to say that in three groups of three. There are three Revelation gifts of the spirit, those are gifts that reveal something, that, that bring information, bring supernatural revelation. And that's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And then there are three power gifts. These are gifts that do something. It's talking about supernatural power. And that's special faith, the gift of faith. We call it special faith. Uh, the working of miracles and then gifts of healings. And then when, the, the, when it comes to the vocal gifts or the also called the utterance gifts, there's the gift of prophecy, then there's the gift of different kinds of tongues, and then there's the interpretation of tongues. So when we're talking about the, the gifts of, uh, of, of utterance, the vocal gifts, we've also noticed that in the Old Testament you had seven gifts of the Spirit. You had all three revelation gifts, Existed in the Old Testament prophets uh, very commonly were uh, manifested these gifts or I should say these gifts manifested through the prophets and then they also the prophets and others had manifestations of the power gifts all of the power gifts were uh, manifested in the Old Testament but when it comes to the vocal gifts. The gifts of tongues and the interpretation of tongues aren't found in the Old Testament. You only had one vocal gift, and that was the gift of prophecy, making a total of seven gifts of the Spirit. In the New Testament, we have uh, two gifts of the Spirit that are distinctive to the church age. And they began on the day of Pentecost and continue right up until present the present day and will continue until Jesus returns. These two vocal gifts, you can think of them this way, the, the gifts of, of different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. These, these two, when you put them together, they equal prophecy, uh, sort of like two nickels equals a dime. The two nickels are different than a dime. If you, somebody said, do you have a... A nickel in your pocket and you had if you had two nickels or if if somebody asked you if you had a dime and and you had two nickels you'd say no I don't have a dime but I have two nickels it does it produces the same thing but it's not the same thing well in the New Testament it seems that the gift of prophecy that exists in the Old Testament was then kind of split off into two Tongues and interpretation. Does maintaining the gift of prophecy, but then prophecy in a varied form came into, uh, into manifestation. The gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. So tonight I want to talk about the gift of prophecy. Notice that he said, "He who prophesies speaks edification, and exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself." Thank God for. Speaking in tongues and edifying ourselves, amen? But he who prophesies edifies the church. It would seem then that, and he goes on to say uh, in the next verse, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks the tongue, lest he interprets, that the church may receive edification. It seems in these passages that edification is the central uh, purpose of the gift of prophecy, and it's the edification of the church. Now, prophecy defined is simply inspired utterance in one's known language. Whatever for us, it would it would be English. If you were in some other part of the world, it would be whatever the common language there is. Uh, the gift of prophecy is inspired utterance in one's natural language, whatever language you, you normally uh, speak. The gift of prophecy in and of itself, has no prediction in it. There isn't any foretelling or predicting the future or anything like that in the gift of prophecy. Sometimes we we refer to uh, the gift of prophecy this way as the simple gift of prophecy. We'll say sometimes that in the simple gift of prophecy, there's no prediction. That, and, 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 and I've said that and will doubtlessly say it again, but I think sometimes that can be a little misleading, like there's a simple gift of prophecy and there's some other kind of gift of prophecy. There's one gift of prophecy and it is speaking by inspired utterance. In other words, whenever you are uh, speaking and the Spirit of God moves upon you or you're about to speak you and the Spirit of God moves upon you, to say something that you hadn't planned to say, that you hadn't uh, uh, practiced or thought up or intended to say. You just seem to be inspired by the Spirit of God at that point to say something and uh, and it just sort of flows out of you and there's a a supernatural flow to it. and, And that's the gift of prophecy and its purpose is to edify. Or to exhort, I think exhortation and comfort come under uh, the general idea of edification. And that's the purpose of the gift of prophecy. Like I said, the gift of prophecy isn't to predict the future. When it comes to the revol- you, when, when in charismatic circles... The gift of prophecy has been used in different ways, or the or the term the gift of prophecy has been used in different ways, and it's been used in ways that is beyond really what prophecy is. People will talk about any kind of word that someone receives from uh, from a minister or from someone, you know. Well, I, you know, so and so prophesied over me and and uh, told me about certain things, you know, that uh, uh, would come to pass. Really. Uh, most of the time that's really not prophecy. The revela- If revelation comes, supernatural revelation, they, they those revelations come by one of the three g- gifts of revelation. Either come by the word of knowledge, the word of, the word of wisdom, which is the highest gift, the word of knowledge, or the discerning of spirits. Starting at the bottom, the discerning of spirits is revelation concerning the spirit world. And it is not just general revelation about spiritual things it's it's an act, it's actually seeing into the realm of the spirit uh, or alternately it can be hearing. In the realm of the spirit, and it's the the word discerning, the way we use the word discerning in our in our current English usage, uh, to discern something means to sort of sense or have an intuition about something, or or to have uh, unusual insight that that you have uh, about any particular thing. That's really not the way the, the discerning of spirits works. The discerning of spirits is, sp- is expressly and precisely that. Discerning, and in the Greek that means to see, seeing over into the realm of the spirit. In other words, all visions, when people have visions, that's that's seeing over into the realm of the spirit. And, and that would be a, a manifestation of discerning of spirits. Uh, seeing, you know, in, in when you see over in the spirit, sometimes I've seen the glory of God. I I just saw it. It was like a cloud and I entered into that cloud. And when I was in that cloud, I couldn't see out of it. I was just completely enveloped in that. Well, that's that's discerning of spirit. I'm seeing over in the realm of spirits. Didn't see a spirit other than I saw the glory of God. I've seen the glory of God in lesser demonstration of that. I've seen the glory of God like a mist. Uh, sometimes in, in this building here, in this service, I've seen it sort of like a, a haze or a fog. and So there are different levels of that. That's seeing over into the realm of the spirit. uh, uh The other, the second uh, lower or coming up from the bottom uh, of these revelation gifts would be the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is supernatural revelation concerning facts, something that has happened in the past or is currently uh, factual, something that exists at at any present time. And so when someone has a revelation about someone, uh, or something that happened in the past or uh, something that exists right now that get, that comes by the spirit. That's, that is the, the discerning of spirits or, or, or the uh, 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 word of knowledge. The word of wisdom isn't a, a revelation of general wisdom. The word of wisdom is a revelation of primarily of God's plan and purpose for it could be for a person, it could be for a church, it could be for a group, it could be for a nation. Uh, it's, it's primarily a revelation like I said of God's plan and purpose and it has to do with the future. And uh, very often when people say, well you know so so-and so, so, and so prophesied over me and told me about something that's going to happen or predicted a certain thing that's really not prophecy. They're just telling you what the Spirit told them about the future. The, these gifts sometimes operate together. Uh, revelation about the future, word of wisdom, can come through discerning of spirits. You could see over in the realm of the Spirit and see things unfolding. I've had that happen to me before. I've, had, I've seen things about the future, about myself or about somebody else, and it was like it ran off in front of me almost like a video. And that was, a, that was a, a discerning of spirits because I was seeing into the future. I was seeing into the realm of the spirit. You know, in the realm of the spirit, there's no time or distance. And so I saw that. And then if I deliver that to someone, it's like the seeing it is one gift, but the revelation itself would be the word of wisdom because it had to do with God's plan and purpose. Uh, again, people say, well, you know, so-and-so prophesied over me. Well, we need to be careful about biblical using terms and and use terms correctly. To prophesy is to speak by inspiration. And the Bible in in chapter 12, 13, and 14 tells us that we should all desire to prophesy. It doesn't say we should all desire to predict the future or, or to see in the realm of the Spirit or any of those things. It's simply to speak by uh, inspiration. It says in uh, the 13th chapter, let's go over there. In verse number eight, he says, it says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Now, some people have taken that and said, well, see, that's talking about, you know, after the apostles passed away, uh, you know, the, the first apostles, then tongues ceased. Well, no, it says it, tongues shall cease. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Well, they haven't ceased yet. Because he also says where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Well, the words vanished away is the same word that's translated ceased cease in, in uh, reference to tongues. Whether there are tongues, they shall cease. Literally, it says, where there is knowledge, it will cease. Well, knowledge hasn't ceased. If knowledge hasn't ceased and prophecy hasn't ceased, then tongues haven't haven't ceased. Isn't that right? He says, whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there's knowledge, it will vanish away. Here's the verse that I want you to see. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. All of the gifts of the Spirit are manifested when they they are in manifestation, are brought to the church through the vessels of natural men like you and me. And so a spiritual gift, when when it manifests to a person, is perfect on God's end because it's a gift of the Spirit. Of course, the Spirit is God, Holy Spirit is God, and He's perfect. And so, on God's end, when a spiritual gift is given or is the Spirit moves upon a person, the moving of the Spirit is perfect. There's not any error in it. There's not any excess in it. There's not any uh, exaggeration in it. There's not, there's not anything other than the infallible uh, move of the Spirit. But as soon as the Spirit moves upon you or upon me, that manifestation of the Spirit is instantly contaminated. Because the Spirit of God moved on me and I am far from perfect. You just keep quiet. (laughs) You and I are far from perfect. Perfect. And so any gift of the Spirit that is then manifested to the church through someone, you always have to understand there will be of necessity an element of the natural. There will be an element of that person in that manifestation of the Spirit. One person who is, for instance, where prophecy is concerned, one person who is more eloquent when it comes to expression will have a more eloquent uh, uh, delivery of a, a word of prophecy than someone who is less eloquent because God uses uh, the vessels that he's chosen to use. If you go through the Old Testament, you know, you look at the different prophets of the Old Testament. You know, you have uh, Isaiah. Oh, my goodness. Isaiah is like the the, uh, the statesman elder prophet. You know, he's so uh, polished and so eloquent and his prophecies are so uh, far reaching and, and, and they cover generations and, and hundreds of years and thousands of years and, and it just seems to, to, to flow, seem to flow out of him so effortlessly and there's such breadth and depth in them. And uh, and you get the sense that you're dealing with someone who who uh, uh, really had a lot going on, you know, for themselves. Then you turn over and you read some of the minor prophets. Now they're called minor prophets simply because those prophets are the the books are shorter. And some of the, you know you, you find some of these these minor prophets, and you know how like Amos. Amos is called the the uh, the the farmer prophet, the country prophet. You know he's uh, he speaks on a in a very uh, you know, he's just far less eloquent. Speaks more like a like a farmer would talk, or like a natural man would talk, or someone you know on a, on a lesser uh, uh, degree of speaking ability. So, but it's the same Holy Spirit. What God said through Amos is just as valuable and just as important and just as true as what He said through Isaiah or Jeremiah. One of those prophets, or Daniel. I mean, Daniel's prophecies. whoo, boy, they they cover you know so much. Uh, So God uses, God chooses to use everybody. He will use you. And if he uses you, you know, the gifts of the Spirit will flow through you the way they should flow through you. And so we shouldn't try to be somebody else or try to act like somebody else. But it says in verse 9, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. I can't get past this part of this this verse nine. We know in part and we prophesy in part. When when someone uh, ministers to you and gives you a word what we call a word of prophecy if it's if it has prediction in it you need to understand that 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 person then is moving beyond the simple gift of prophecy and you have a revelation gift uh, in in manifestation and, it, and it's revelation can come these revelation gifts can flow through prophecy you know how many of you arrived in an automobile tonight are you an automobile? No, you're not an automobile, but you came to church in an automobile. You know, most people would ask, well, how many people were in church Wednesday night? Very few people would ask, how many automobiles were at church Wednesday night? Because we're more interested in, the, in, in who came in the automobile than the automobile. But without the automobile, I know you love God, but without the automobile... Not many, not many of us would have been here tonight. I don't know that I would have, have uh, been very excited about bicycling or walking eight miles to get here to church. I'd had to start a whole lot earlier than I did. What am I saying is the vehicle is important because it brings us. Well, prophecy, or you could have tongues with the accompanying interpretation, can be the vehicle that brings a revelation. Utterance by the Spirit brings revelation very often. But that revelation is a separate gift than the inspired utterance. Because when uh, when someone is just prophesying, and this should be the case for most uh, uh, manifestations of the gift of prophecy among church people should be the simple form of edification, exhortation, and comfort. When, when someone delivers a, a word of prophecy, if there's something in it about the future, you should always check in your heart to see if what that person said bears witness with what you already have in your spirit. Because again... God doesn't, in the New Testament, God, God doesn't lead us through the gifts of the Spirit. He leads us by the Holy Spirit's witness in our, in our own heart. We all have the Holy Spirit in us. We all have the inward witness of the Spirit. That is the primary way He's going to lead all of us, ministers as well as lay people. The, the most fundamental way he's going to lead is by the inward witness or secondarily closely uh, related to that is the inner voice of the Spirit, which is simply your, your own spirit picking up what the Holy Spirit's saying and you kind of hear something spoken to you, but it's not really the Holy Ghost speaking. It's your own spirit speaking. That's very similar to the inward witness. Uh, those are the ways God will lead you. Sometimes the Lord will confirm something you have through someone who's operating in the, in the gift of prophecy. Maybe they'll speak by inspiration and while they after they begin to speak, they feel that inspiration to speak. Then they begin to say something about your future. Well, you always have to judge that, first of all, by the Word. No manifestation or utterance of the Spirit that's contrary to the Word could be true. Because this is the only infallible word right here. This is what you judge everything by. Even even what you have in your own heart. If what you believe you have in your heart, if you believe the Spirit is leading you a particular way, if it doesn't line up with this, then you you immediately know I'm misunderstanding something. Either I'm, I'm misinterpreting what the Spirit's saying or I'm just completely out in left field. If it's not according to this, it cannot be true. And it couldn't be right. Then the, the second way, uh, he'll, he first of all leads us this way. But then he'll lead us uh, uh, individually, particularly about things, by the inward witness. Well, when you have that inward witness, to the degree that you're hearing from God, it's perfect. But you always have to understand that you are hearing with imperfect ears. Because even though your spirit man is born again and is of God, you aren't God. And you're capable of misinterpreting things. So very often when the Spirit is leading you and, and dealing with you, maybe showing something you something about your future or something that you need to do, uh, you, need to, you need to pay attention. But you also need to be aware that uh, there's a certain amount of, of self-interpretation that takes place. I've had the Spirit of God deal with me about things in the past very Clearly, I knew the Spirit of God was leading. I mean, I knew it was God leading me. I had an, a witness, a strong witness, or even an inward an voice about something, and I was sure of what he said. But I immediately put my interpretation on what he said. So I interpreted what the Spirit witnessed to my spirit, to my heart. I interpreted it as meaning something. And down the road, I discovered when it began to unfold, I realized I completely misunderstood what the Spirit was saying. That's not, I, the 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 impression was right, the witness of the Spirit was right, but my interpretation was wrong. Well, if you can do this about yourself, you can certainly do it about somebody else. If you get a a, 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 a and, and I'm not encouraging you to get words for other people. I don't I don't believe that's a common thing. If it is common, it's out of balance people who constantly get words for other people unless they're in the five-fold ministry of the prophet, uh, people who are getting words for other, that usually uh, they're out of balance. They're, they're, that's not scriptural because God deals with each one of us. Why should, why should I be telling Lori or Doug about their future when they have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them? So the fundamental way is God's going to deal with them about that. But sometimes people are in full-time ministry, uh, maybe a pastor because of his oversight of the flock, he'll pick up something and he'll share. But I try to always be careful to say, now I sense the Spirit of God saying this to me about uh, your situation. But I try to always be careful to say, now you judge that according to your own heart because your witness of the Spirit trumps whatever revelation I have. Amen? It always comes first. And so, uh, uh, and, and the reason for that is people, again, when they are, are sense that they have something, that the Lord's showing them something, there's, there can be a lot of different filters in their natural thinking that that sense from the Spirit is having to wash through to Get to their consciousness, and they're and they're there. It's so easy to put what they sense the spirit said in light of natural things they know, or feel, or think. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, I just want you to be careful about that. Sometimes the, the spirit of God has uh, spoken things and given somebody uh, a word for me that. And again, the, the primary purpose for that is to confirm something that you have from the Lord. When Kenneth Hagen was alive, uh, Pastor Angela and I got to know him better during the last 10 years of his life than we had before. Before, you know, I was a Ray McGrath and uh, along with, you know, 30 other thousand people. And, uh, you know, we knew each other by face because I was in his meetings and then I became a regional director. And so we knew him, you know, he knew me a little bit better because of that. Uh, but uh, in the last 10 years of his life, we were in a lot of his Holy Ghost meetings, and and Kenneth Hagin called Pastor Angela and me out quite a few times. We have a few of them, you know, that we play up here before service, but he called us out quite a few times and ministered to us, and every time he did, it was something on the inside that I had that I understood what the Spirit of God was saying. Uh, There might have been one or two times when I didn't fully understand what he what he was talking about. Well, I didn't throw it away because I didn't understand it or it didn't seem to uh, go with anything I'd gotten from the Spirit. I didn't toss it away primarily because of my respect for him. I knew his track record. I knew the stature that he had in, in the realm of the Spirit and the office that he had operated in so, so well with such... Uh, uh, dignity and such uh, 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 c- a high caliber for so many years. You just don't throw those things away. I would call it. I just put it on the shelf. But I never tried to go out and act on any of those things. He said and make them come to pass. If it was something I had that it agreed with something that I had in my heart, I just rejoice. Well, the Lord's confirmed that that He gave me, and that's that's always a blessing. That's encouraging. It it edifies and builds you up and helps you. Uh, But uh, uh, if you get something from someone that seems to be contrary to what you have or something you've never thought of, please don't act on it. And don't make plans for your life around those things. I'm telling you, lives have been shipwrecked. There's been so much misery introduced to the church and the body of Christ by people giving other people words and they went out and said, "Well, you know that i you know I hadn't planned to do this or don't know anything about this, but so and so said that I would have this and I would have that, and so that's the way it is and so i'm that's the track i'm I'm pursuing that is always a mistake, always a mistake sometimes someone will say something that you know you you don't really Understand, but because, like I said, because of who they are, and you and you have confidence in them, don't don't toss it away. Just just put it away somewhere. You know, uh, a good case in point is uh, Sunday morning. How many of you are here Sunday morning? Pastor Peter Defend said something to me about my enemies. I didn't write it down. Did you make note of what he said? He said something like, Pastor Anderson, your enemies will be scattered huh i won't see them anymore yeah yeah i wouldn't see them and i i remember him saying that i wouldn't see them anymore but it seemed like he also said they would be gone well you know when when he said that i thought to myself i do not have a clue what you're talking about and I still don't know what he was talking about. You know, we hadn't, uh, I'd only met him Saturday night, and we hadn't talked about enemies. And we, in fact, we hadn't talked about any kind of a negative situation, person, or in the church, or anything, in his church, my church, or any church. We we just had dinner together, uh, he and, and uh, Samuel that was with him as his uh, music minister. And, uh, so we hadn't talked about any kind of problems or any kind of anything. When he said, your enemies, you know, we'll, we'll, I won't see them anymore. And they'll, I'm thinking, what in the world is he talking about? I remember something. This has helped me a number of years ago. This was back probably in the late 80s or early 90s. I heard Oral Roberts say something one time. And Oral Roberts was one of the most misunderstood ministers of our generation he really suffered a lot of abuse and a lot of uh, contradiction by people and it seemed like people in the press particularly in Tulsa they went after him all the time he was a very high profile person in the you know in the greater Tulsa area because he was the president of ORU and sometimes Oral Roberts could say things that it just baffled you, you know, why he would say that, how he would say that. And, and I mean, the press would attack him. They would just, just tear him up and just make him look a, a complete idiot and fool. I remember one time he, he talked about he had seen a vision of Jesus. And Jesus was like several stories tall. And this gigantic, I forgot, I don't know if it was in feet or stories. It seemed like it was in stories, like two or three stories tall. And, you know, the press, I mean, they just went after him. Everybody knows Jesus, you know, has a physical body. He's at the right hand of God. He's probably six foot, you know, five foot ten, six foot two, somewhere in that. He's not 45 feet tall. And they just just completely uh, made mockery of him. You know, I, I also think it was at a time whenever he was building the city of faith, or you know, the so that's what it was called the City of Faith. City of Faith was a 60-story skyscraper in Tulsa. And when he built it, it was the large, it was the tallest building west of the Mississippi in the United States. Because out west, you know, there's bigger cities out there, but because of the earthquakes, they don't build them that tall. 60-story, that's a big building. And, you know, I heard somebody say, you know, if, if you're if you're if you have a project, an assignment from God. To build something that big, you probably need a two- or three-story Jesus. So, obviously, you know, it was, it was just a, a figurative uh, representation. But he would be criticized and mocked. I remember one time he talked about that, you know, if, if the Lord had told him if he didn't raise so many millions of dollars by a certain time, Jesus was going to take him home. And so people got in the press and they said, okay, now God is holding uh, uh, Oral Roberts hostage, you know. and he's ex- is he, God's an extortioner and all this stuff, you know. Just, I don't know why he would say things the way he said it. But again, he was just a man, a human being, and he would get these impressions. But you couldn't deny how God was moving through him during the, you know, during the years. But sometimes he would say some things that were, you know, make you scratch your head. But I remember during during those days when he was really embattled, uh, and he often was, I remember he was in a in a conference some someplace where I was at, and he, he said that someone had asked him about his enemies. About how, you know, either how he dealt with his enemies or or or, or how he you know how he related. And I, his answer was so good. He said, What enemies? He said, I don't have any enemies. So I can't think of, I can't think of a single enemy. What are you talking about? And he wasn't just making that up. You could tell he was, he was sincere. So I, I don't know what you're talking about. What enemies? He said, now there might be some people who who think, you know, that uh I'm their enemy, but I don't have any enemies. And so I, I just don't think that way. When I heard that, I thought that's the way to live right there. That is the way to live. So I've always, you know, kind of had that uh uh, attitude. So when Pastor Defense said something about your enemies, I'm going, what is he talking about? I really, I, 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 don't, I don't have any, there's not any controversy going on. I'm not struggling with anybody. I'm not disappointed with anybody. I'm not, nobody's mad at me that I'm aware of. You know, I don't really know what he's talking about. Well, you know, I've learned to just put it on the shelf. Because it may be for a future time. And if that's the case, you don't want to be my enemy because you'll get swallowed up in the sea. Like the Red Sea, you'll just go. You'll just disappear. So if if you're ever ever in a situation where you feel like, you you know, you want to be my enemy, don't be. Because it's already been spoken. It won't go good for you, okay? So... But, you know, I said that partly because it's important that we know these things, but also sometimes when you hear something like that, people in the church can go, because several of you remember what was said, and they go, well, I wonder what's going on with the pastor, you know, what kind of attack that he's under. None that I know of. So uh, uh, be careful with prophecy. Don't act on something that you don't understand. Sometimes people in in the church will will. Uh, send me a, some kind of a communication and say, Pastor, you know, I, I saw this and this is what I felt like the Lord was saying about you and I remember not too long ago someone, you know, sent me an email and and I thought to myself in fact I, I have a different witness in my spirit than what this person's telling me. It's not only that I, do I not see that the Lord has dealt with me different than that. Well, if the Lord's dealt with you you, you You stay with what God said. So I wrote this person back. I said, you know, I I appreciate that. I appreciate you being obedient. You know, you felt like it was important to tell me this. But I know what I have in my heart. And until I hear different, uh, this is what I'm going with. I'm not going to go with the other. But then even then, I don't look down at that person. I'm not. I don't. I don't. When I see them, I don't look down. As a matter of fact, I have great respect for them. They're they're it's a wonderful individual, uh, used of God, is a great blessing to the church, you know. And so, so I don't look down on him. Anybody can miss it, and I could be missing it. I mean, what I've seen in the witness that I have so far, I could be wrong, but I have to go with what I have. Because I'm, I'm obligated to follow the witness that I have in my spirit about my own life. And not let something that somebody else says that is opposite of that or contrary to that have any effect in my life. I know Brother Hagin said during the uh, healing revival. You know, there was a healing revival in America from 1947 to 1958. And I was born in 1952, and so I remember getting in some of those healing meetings, the big tent crusades. You know, I was still very, very young. And you know, when a when a revival kind of comes to an end, it's it's not just cut off at a certain date. There's a residual. Uh, effect And so the same things that were going on in the revival at 58 had been going on, continued for quite a few years after that, at least four or five years after that. So, you know, as a young uh, little kid, I remember going to some of those meetings, you know, uh, up until about the age of eight or 10, something like that. And uh, during that time, though, the Spirit of God had dealt with Brother Hagin specifically, don't get a tent, stay in the churches. Even though he had a, a great healing ministry and was God, God was really using him, Spirit of God said, don't get a tent. Don't go out and have your own meetings like most of the evangelists, healing evangelists. They would have their own meetings. They would have these big tents. They'd go across the country, you know. And uh, the Spirit of God dealt with Brother Hagin. Stay in the local churches. Have your meetings in the local churches. Now, when he was at churches... Sometimes because of the crowds, the pastor would get a tent because the church wasn't big enough, so they'd set up a tent outside the church. You know, the, the meeting in uh, 1950 in Rockwall, Texas, where where uh, uh, Jesus had, you know, his first vision of, uh, of the Lord, that was in a tent, but he wasn't conducting his own meeting. The pastor got the tent and had it for him, but the Lord had dealt with him, don't get a tent and stay in the churches. He said all of those years during that healing revival, he said, Often, not every place he went, but almost every place he went. Several times a year, people would, would come up to him in these meetings and prophesy over him, you're supposed to have a tent. Brother Hagin, the Lord said, you've got to have a tent. Because they saw you know, the, his healing ministry and all of the miracles taking place and they thought, surely this is too big for the local church. You know, He needs to get in with these other guys. So what was happening is they were just really prophesying out of their own emotion and out of their own feelings and it was well intended and uh, he said you know he just had person after person after person after person after person it almost got comical after a while brother hagan you're the lord's telling me you're supposed to have a tent he was gracious about it and he thought no i'm not supposed to have a tent god told me not to have a tent so he didn't so when god god deals with you about something about your future, you have a witness about God's plan, and we all should have some uh, sense of what God's plan is for our lives. Stay with that. Don't let any word of prophecy change that or alter that or affect that. And even if you do get a a, a confirmation, I've always said it like this. You should be more thrilled with the initial witness you have from the Spirit than any prophecy or word of wisdom that anybody gives you. I mean, I've had Kenneth Hagin you know, prophesy and, and give words of wisdom, not prophesy, but give words of wisdom to, to Pastor Angela and me. Ooh, you know, Kenneth Hagin, that's wonderful. But it didn't mean as much to me as what I had in my own heart because I know that's what, that's what I'm accountable for. I'm accountable for what God says to me in my own heart. Amen? And I've also said this. If you're not sure enough about direction, to take a step, to to act. If you're not sure about direction, you have to act by the inward witness you have. Then you surely aren't sure enough to act because somebody gave you a word. Just because they gave you a word, if you weren't if you weren't willing and and ready or or in it, uh, even acting and following God's plan and taking steps, if you if you're not confident enough in what you have in your own heart, you shouldn't be t- you shouldn't be uh, your confidence shouldn't be boosted enough to act on something that you wouldn't otherwise have acted on. That's, that's, a, that's a tragic thing to do. So these are just uh, things that I wanted to share with you about the gift of prophecy because uh, we need prophecy, but primarily in the local church, prophecy is given to edify the church. There, there's also a, a charismatic tradition you know, around uh, certain charismatic groups that's that's kind of uh, uh, stayed with us for a long time. And that's, you know, people giving personal prophecies, going to people in church and giving them a word. Well, I don't see that in in the New Testament. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort that the church may be edified. And so someone who feels... Uh, the the compunction or the or the uh, impression to to give a word to this person and a word to that person. What I want to know is why don't they come up front and give a word to the church? Amen. Because you see, uh, when spiritual gifts are supposed to be judged by the whole church, let let those who have something speak. Let the others judge. And so. Uh, that, that's always a bit of a red flag with me. When someone goes around, you know, and, and, and we don't have that here. I'm not saying we have that here. But uh, over the years, you know, I've been doing this a long time now, 39 years, you know. And uh, over the years, we've had people kind of come through our church, you know, come for a little while that uh, would go around, you know, and they'd you know, talk to people after church. You know, I got a word. Lord gave me a word. Uh, I didn't do anything. I know those people wouldn't last. They came for a while. They, you know, they just drifted on through. Sometimes it th- some things are not worth stirring up a hornet's nest over, you know, uh, because I knew my congregation would know better, and uh, and most people are you know have, have more sense than just to act on something. So, uh, but it can it can be a very uh, uh, serious matter. So follow what you have in your heart, Amen. And then the gift of prophecy is simply uh, given to exhort, to comfort, to edify the church, Amen. And tongues and interpretation can do the same thing. It's all yours, baby. Praise the Lord. Don't say no. It's all yours. You got any questions? She, she doesn't want to get up here. You have any questions you can ask? I might not have the answer. but It's all yours, baby. Just introduce your, your topic. It's okay. Or turn them loose. Or
1: turn them loose. Yeah. All right. They're saying, turn us loose. Turn us loose. Amen. Yeah, I spent some, I got a couple pages worth of notes, and I thought, man, to give it to me with like 15 or 20 minutes that's not right. I mean, come on now. Make one point. Make one point. Oh, no, I don't want to make one point. I'm in rebellion. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Well, I, you know, can I just, you know, maybe we're going to let you go a little early tonight, but I I just want to tell you something about you. Um... Just from a pastor's perspective, from just the experience of this last weekend, Pastor Defend comes from a church that's several thousand people strong, and we are a little church, you know, by comparison, you have just a couple hundred people, and you make me so proud. You really do. Pastor and I are so proud of you guys, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, personally speaking you know we had a lot of visitors uh, on Sunday and I can't tell you I was shocked at how many visitors we had because I didn't re- we didn't advertise this except you know on the website and maybe the Facebook page I'm not even sure but we had a lot of people show up that we didn't know and and you know a lot of people our regulars were out because of vacations and things and that's that's fine you know we we knew when we agreed with uh, to Brother Christopher had called and asked if we would consider having Pastor Defense since he was going to be in the States. And Pastor said, Oh, sure, we'll, we'll do that for you. And um, but we didn't know him, didn't know him at all, never spoken to him. But anyway, went, somehow the, the name got out and people came. And um, you guys, you demonstrate to us what a good, stable, word based foundation. You have. And it shows. Um, There are people who came that, you know, there's a lot of adjectives I can put on it. Um, Not as well trained. We'll leave it that way. Not as well trained as you are. And yet you kept things because of how strong you guys are. You kept things centered, shall I say. It could, have gotten, it could have gone a lot of different directions. Uh, yeah, past, did, I don't know if any of you know it, but Pastor Greg told me on, I guess it was Monday, he said, so did you hear the shofar? And I went, no, what shofar? And he said he was in the back. Did, he, did, did the guy blow it at all? Oh, he did? Okay, well, a gentleman came in, sat in the back on, on Sunday evening. Pastor Greg was still in the back. And uh, this man had a bag in his hand. He pulled this bag, this thing out of his bag, and put it up to his mouth. And, and he he did a little one little blow. And Pastor Greg went to him and he said, "Sir, uh, you need to put that away." Uh, and he, and you know, does anybody know what a shofar is? It's a ram's horn that the the Egyptians used to blow. You know, and it's kind of like it's kind of like a bugle. You know, with a ram's horn. Anyway. Um, so Pastor Grace said, "Sir, we we you know we'd like to ask you just to, to put that away, and um, and um, just just worship God with us." He goes, "Well, your your website says there's freedom to worship here." He goes, "Yes, sir, you're free to worship with our music department because we have a wonderful music department, and and we're here to, to worship God. So if you, if you don't mind, put that away." Yeah, but so we kept arguing with him about it, and then after a minute or two of that. Then uh, he said, "Well, well, can, can I pull my harmonica out? Can I play my harmonica?" And he pastor's grace going, "No, sir. We have a wonderful music department. We have wonderful musicians. You are free to worship along with us as they lead us in praise and worship." And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm so glad that nobody here would ever go to someone else's church and presume to, to act the way they wanted to. <laughs> Instead, I mean, you guys just—you guys are just—you guys are just wonderful. I mean, to know that you're steady, that your your foundation goes solid, it goes deep, and that it can it can cause a service to stay where God wants it to, in spite of other influences that may or may not be here when visitors are here. You've gotten to where you don't react when somebody gets a little crazy, you know. Like going crazy with the clapping and that kind of thing, um, somebody want to dance around the back? Okay, you know we're all good with that. I mean, you know there's a place for us to be gracious, and you're you're very good at it. Now that's one thing. Now the next thing I want to tell you about is how generous you are. You know somebody who's never been here before, um, nobody knows anything about. I have a certain range that I expect, that if they're going to be here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, I have a certain range that I figure the offering is going to fall into. And, and, and I expect that to be, you know, a good offering for somebody that's never been to a service, a church like ours before, or been to our church, I should say, before. You far exceeded that. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And it wasn't from the visitors. Now, I can tell you from over the years that the only time visitors have ever, ever made much of an impact on the offering is when Keith Moore was here. That's the only guest speaker we've ever had that visitors put a significant amount of money into the offering, the only time. 95% of any offering that a minister gets comes from you guys. And what I have seen the last year is that Across the board, people are being good to just participate in the offerings, more so than than ever. And let me tell you, when we handed him his offering on Sunday night after church, he didn't look at it right then. And we had gone to BJ's to get something to eat. And I'd stayed back to, to do the offering to count it just to make sure I could give him a check. I mean, after all, he is from out of the country. It's not like I can mail it very easily. And so I wanted to give it to him before he left town. And, and so I got there, and just handed, we handed it to him. We told him that we'd included some uh, money for some travel expenses because he had to drive up here from Miami. Uh, we gave it to him, we parted ways, we got in our car, we just got barely onto the interstate and we got a, got a text from him going, I am blown away by your generosity. And uh, Pastor, I had handed him the check before he gave it to Brother Defend, he went, that's pretty good. I said, yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, so I want you to know that how you behave in a service and how you behave in an offering speaks volumes. And go
0: ahead. Not only that, you might be going to talk about this too. Pastor DeFenn was so impressed with the worship and the way uh, our church enters in and just the presence of God here. More than once, several times he told me, he said, "What what I've found in your services Sunday morning, Sunday night, you don't find very many places. You just don't find that, that spirit, that, that uh, purity of worship and flow of the spirit, genuineness. He said, there's just so much fluff and so much uh, uh, extra stuff that people work into services, trying to work people up. He said, none of that was in your church. It was just such a pure, uh, uh, honest move of God and, and uh, uh, sensitivity to the spirit.
1: Yeah. yeah, You know, and it's, it's kind of like a parent-child situation. You know, a parent can be very proud of their children and tell everybody else how proud they are of their children, but the children need to hear it ever so often. Yeah. And so I wanted you to know tonight how grateful I am that you maintain an atmosphere that God can move in in spite of the other visitors who have not been taught what you've been taught. And, and I want to tell you how grateful and how blessed... I am that you set such a wonderful example of generosity to people that you've never even met before. You know, just just being led, and and I, I told Pastor, I said there was no there was no one huge giving in this offering. It was just spread out more across the church than than we've than we've seen before. And I'm telling you, what that's the key, that There's a key there, everyone doing his part everyone doing their part, makes tremendous power available, makes tremendous blessing available. It, it does you good. It really does. And it speaks, it speaks well to the guest, but it speaks well to the Father. And that's really what we're really more concerned about than anything, is how, it's, how it speaks to the Father's heart, that we're willing to, to put our all into a service and to pull a demand on what the speaker, whoever it is, has to say, that we place ourselves in an, in an attitude of worship that he can move in. You know, there was the, uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit were flowing, and Brother DeFinn was just, I mean, you know, it was really good. You know, we just were all blessed by it. And uh, I'm sure when he goes back to Africa, you know, somebody's going to say, oh, you went to a really small church, and he's going, oh, it might have been small in number, but it wasn't small in spirit it wasn't and and i'm telling you what i'm proud of you you make you make me proud you really do and we expect god to bless you abundantly for that abundantly you know so you just expect harvest coming your way amen